Welcome to the We Are All Needed podcast, a space where we together will inspire people to do something good. This podcast is for all of us that care. We care about how we spend our days, how we show up for each other and for the planet. I'm your host, Alexander Nash. I am many things as we all are, but the things I most proudly identify with are I'm an entrepreneur, a mother, business coach, athlete, and meditation teacher. I've roamed the impact startup world for over 15 years now, and I feel like it is time to share the stories of so many fascinating people doing so many incredible things. Together with the guests on this show, we will provide inspiration that no act is too small and that we are all needed. Let's dive in to this week's episode. Today, I'm welcoming Eric Lundgren to the podcast. Eric is an entrepreneur, chief, and nature lover at heart. He started his first business as young as 19 and has since been running several different projects before he initiated what is now Youthquarter. Innovation and development have always been central in his work, and he is now creating the sustainable ecosystems of tomorrow. Eric finds his energy in doing what he believes in and is highly involved in several charitable projects on a global level. We talk about what spending time in nature does for us, how the right solution often is a mix of different solutions, and how eating healthy can change everything. All right. Hi, Eric. Hello, Alessandra. Uh, welcome to the We Are All Needed podcast. It's so lovely of you to take the time to be here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Um, I was really excited when you contacted me. So I, I like this format as well, because usually you don't get that much time and focus to really go like into the second and third uh, layer of things that we are doing. So really excited yeah. to share. Shut I'm up. glad. I'm glad. That's actually why I like the this format as well. You get to know people and stories and missions a little bit better. And it's a little bit more genuine. So with that, on this pod, I always like to start off with a question that kind of lands us straight on topic before yeah. we get to know you personally a little bit better. So if you got to view the future in the most idealistic way possible for you, what would that future look like? Yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say like the easiest answer to that one would be like peace, love and understanding. I think that's a, a good guide on how to live a life on this planet. Uh, but of course, that goes down to a lot of different concrete things that would need to change. So uh, so like in an overview, I would say peace, love, understanding, equal yeah. opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. That would be kind of the goal or aim for me and i guess for all of the people living on this planet as well but if you look more focused into uh, the area in which i'm uh, active which would be kind of talking about food system agriculture um sustainability and, and this i think i can be a bit more concrete uh, yeah. on that level so first of all i think there's nothing natural with what we are doing today so we, we kind of overexhausted all of our resources in terms of producing food and we have done that on the cost of uh, health in terms of both plan planet and people so I, I would say that the most idealistic output uh, or change that we can drive in this area is trying to just find much much more balance so ha having a food system that is currently uh, responsible for one third of all greenhouse gas emissions and, and a lot of the big challenges we see in, in terms of bio, loss of biodiversity, soil erosion, water pollution, all of these uh, parameters. Uh, of course, finding a sustainable way uh, of reaching uh, a healthy, sustainable future for both people and planet would need to be much more balanced than today. So like, like finding a good balance between large scale and small scale, uh, not being too... Um, I, I can read in a lot of uh, uh, material that I'm reading uh, about regenerative agriculture, which mm -hmm. I think is really, really good, like small-scale farmers, local farmers, but that's also a, a, a bit too much of a utopia to believe that that is 
the only way to move forward sustainable. I think we need to find a mix between large uh, scale cultivation, agriculture and small scale, because everybody doesn't want to do uh, like small scale uh, farming, which would be needed if we were to go that way. And also, of course, uh, talking about my area, which is vertical farming or indoor farming, there should be a mix of open field cultivation and there should be a mix of indoor cultivation. So there's no black and white in this. There's all, all types of what would be the best. Uh, the answer to that is different depending on what type of food we're talking about or what area in the world you are. So That's getting true. a little bit more detail into that area, but, but I would say a more much more balanced and sustainable food system is possible, uh, but we need to look at it in a much, much more holistic way. Oh, that's a that's a beautiful answer, and I think it you have some good points there because often, often when we have a mission or we strongly believe in something, there is this fight with getting your message out there and the algorithms, and you, and by doing that, you hammer down only one solution because you need yeah. to get your voice heard. But that's not often hardly ever is that solution. There's not one material or one process or one type of food or you know that's gonna save save us all. So I think a lot lies in that. How can we accept small changes and big changes? And like, I mean, if you compare Sweden where we are now compared to, I don't know, the Brazilian rainforest, of mm. course, the way we, you know, we grow things and the way we eat is gonna be different. Yeah, and also I think what is really important, and we'll, I learned quite a lot, a lot about that doing our LCA for our company, that context is all, also everything. Yeah. So what is sustainable in Sweden might not be sustainable, as you said, in Brazil, or what is sustainable in Brazil might not be uh, sustainable here in Sweden as well. Yeah. So it's, there's no simple answer, uh, but it's not that complex either. I think it all kind of melts down to finding the right balance and uh, finding out uh, what is right for the context that you're in. Yeah, exactly. That's super interesting. And we'll get more into that. But before we do, uh, who are you? Yeah, I'm just the question I'm trying to answer myself, <laughs> at least once or twice per year. Uh, yeah, I'm, my name is Eric. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. So I've been running my own companies. Uh, yeah, since, since school, actually. So uh, and by doing that, uh, I've been or ventured into a lot of different areas. So I've, I've been very, like in the beginning of my life, just trying everything out, uh, see what sticks and what, what is um, what, what is making me happy and what is kind of fulfilling my my need of doing the, the right things. And that kind of melted down to uh, me currently now running a, a large scale, what is called vertical farm. I think that's the most common phrase, but it should that's a bit uh, taking away the focus from what's really interesting in that area, which is kind of controlled environment agriculture. So I think that's the biggest uh, improvement. The vertical thing is just being more efficient. So that's a really, really important part of my life. It takes up a lot of time and energy. Uh, so running that business. Uh, but I'm also um, a chief. So uh, my uh, mother is from the island of Samoa in the South Pacific, and my dad lived there for many years. Uh, and just recently, I, I've got my chief title, which is uh, a really big uh, responsibility uh, of taking care of the land and our family for coming generations. So, so it's kind of Wow. sticked in my mind the last six months that okay finally now I have this really really big purpose uh, that is kind of defined into uh, me making some kind of plan for my life on what I would like to spend energy and time on that's incredible uh, and how does how does one become a chief yes so it's a, a really old traditional cultural system so it's built upon or based upon uh, someone culture of family which is uh, we don't have the same, uh, like if, if you look in Sweden, for example, the kind of the core families like mother, father, kids, maybe you hang out with uh, an uncle or something like that. But uh, mm -hmm. the family is very small here in, in Sweden, or I would say most Western contexts. While in Samoa still, there is uh, a lot of kind of same, many generations living in the same place. In my family, I think we're like 30 people living under the same type of roof. So the family is much, wow. much bigger. Yeah. So when you talk about a chief system, it's based upon these ideas of really large families. And in every family, you have uh, somebody who is responsible for 
kind of securing or talking about the needs of our family as a whole. So in my family, we're around 80, 800 to 1,000 people. And in uh -huh. our family, we have a couple of, of chiefs that is responsible for making sure that we are taking care of the resources around us, the nature, and also the family, of course. And so do you a, eat? Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's, it's just every generation has its uh, own decision, uh, depending on who should be that but that person. Yeah. And then each chief has a different area of, of responsibility? or. No, I, I think you can see it uh, a little bit <laughs> to making it less romantic. It's a bit like being a politi uh, politician in a men's hospitality in Sweden. So oh, like okay. you, you sit there and represent your family's kind of ideas or values on like big important topics like land owning and water and food, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, you sit there just as a represent, uh, representative for your family's opinions uh, and you kind of talk about all of the big issues or struggles that is there yeah. oh wow that's really fascinating and where does the do you think the vertical garden came from your i don't know the way you grew up and the way your family cared for the land or like which one there's obviously an a very yeah. now you know you can always connect the dots backwards um what do you think came yeah. first? yeah I, I mean this is something that i've spent quite a lot of time thinking about uh before I was just doing things that felt good and uh, all of those things had kind of a red thread of being something close to innovation uh, or something close to sustainability but uh, hopefully having both of those kind of parameters in, in what I'm doing so yeah yeah I would definitely say that it's, it's part of my upbringing and rising uh, with my Samoan mother but also with my father who is uh, a biologist and biologist teacher, bird watcher. So I've been kind of traveling around my whole life growing up. I was spending time in Costa Rica, New Zealand, Fiji, Australia, Tonga. Yeah, all of these beautiful places looking at the really or experiencing really like sustainable cultures in terms of indigenous people, but also uh, seeing all of these fa fascinating ecosystems. So that has kind of been packed into uh, my DNA a little bit. And then of age. course, yeah, yeah, from a young age, from, yeah, as soon as I was uh, able to walk, I've been kind of running around in forests. So that's it. And I think for, for me also, the responsibility in terms of Samoa is, uh, I mean, this whole area of the world is kind of, thinking right now and that's that's not uh, um, a theory anymore it's actually fact so that the last IPCC report that was released this spring uh, suggests that before the end of my generation my country and a lot of other uh, island nations uh, will be underwater if we don't change the kind of trajectory we're on right now so it's a very real issue as well for a lot of those islands and what um, what can you I mean, is there are there things that you can do specifically in the area to slow that process down, or is most of it connected to you know all the what would you call them all the general sustainability goals, or are there particular things you can also do? Yeah, I mean, this kind of triggers me quite a lot. This type of thinking because when you look at it, you end up understanding that the people who are kind of less responsible or the, the least responsible for the issues that we have are the most of being the, the highest yeah. impacted. So no, I mean, the, the uh, it all comes down to some big areas and some big decisions who needs to be changed in our Western society, not yeah. in, in these small countries like yeah. Samoa. And, and there's a lot of other examples of that. Yeah. So there are things that could be done. Uh, but I mean, the big things that we need to change are how we live our uh, yeah. life uh, in in the area where we come from and, and us etc etc yeah no yeah. i can definitely um i can definitely understand you it was i was at world water week this was ages ago now and it was the first time i heard someone talk about and i mean now they talk about it more often but they started talking about climate refugees yeah, uh, yeah. and specifically africa and how um i mean it, it's it's not as bad to create a problem that you don't have to suffer the consequences for yourself. And it's one thing to do, like we can do things uh, in our, like let's say in our countries, but I think we can also go and do things in other countries, yeah. um, which I think is really important. Um, yeah. And I would say like, um, like the question about um, 
climate refugees is is very very real. This this is my kind of biggest not insight because it, it was known to me even before. But when I start looking into the numbers, especially in the region where I'm from, if you look at an island like Kiribati, for example, they are already moving people away and have been given land on New Zealand because they they already now need to to move entire villages and and soon the whole country will disappear. Actually, wow. I mean this it's very very real, but it's people with very I mean, the small nations with very small voices uh, and not much to be. Not much uh, funding or resources either, no, I guess, to do much no. about it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I, I mean, for me, that's kind of a wake up call or something that I know has always been there. But it's kind of just um, in the last month or last year been really crystallized into something clear in terms of mission for me. And where. The food system is responsible for one third of all of those challenges. Oh, but, yeah, so that's, that's interesting. Which are the other two thirds? Yeah, a mix of all of the issues that we are looking uh, looking into, of course, with both energy and climate and transport and all of those areas. But I, I think it's really kind of mesmerizing data that the food waste alone. So we, yeah. the food system is responsible for one third of all of the. Um, climate change or greenhouse gas emissions and one third of all of that food is being wasted yeah and that is the same size of uh, kind of climate impact as the whole aviation industry so all airplanes etc etc so when you start looking into the numbers of the food system it's kind of the easiest area or the biggest area where we can do a lot of changes that is good not only for the planet which is kind of the, the goal for a, um, a lot of these projects but also for the people yeah so eat healthy eat local eat eco all of this kind of correlates uh, into um yeah something that feels really valuable spending your time and energy on yeah and i mean from a from an outsider perspective that's really interesting because if you if you read media i don't think until very recently the food industry hasn't really got much attention at all it's been a no. lot of talk about of course energy and wasting of like clothes and apparel um and you know oil and plastics and all these things but not much has been really discussed when it comes to food which is and food and this the health of soil and all these things that are now yeah. finally um coming up i remember reading a book um kiss the ground do you know that? yeah 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 yeah, yeah which was a while back now, I think they wrote their first book and it was very revelation, you know, it was this big thing. And because it was the beginning when people started talking about carbon capture and all that stuff, yeah. and they, and they yeah. were saying, no, no, like the earth can do it itself if you just, you know, take care of the earth. So I feel like it's come up a little bit more to the surface. Yeah, but it, it deserves a lot more attention. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to be dystopian, uh, but the more I read about it and the more I really, and indulge myself into this topic uh, it's clearer and clearer for me that we have no plan at all <laughs> we have i mean this is where there's nothing on a global scale uh, that feels promising to me in terms of yes we got this handle let's check that one and go to the, to the next big topic so um, i mean we are already putting so much pre pressure on the earth and we will need to increase that with 50 percent in the upcoming years so it it doesn't really uh, add up in a good way. So that's why I think this, um, like vertical farming, that's one solution. Um, regenerative agriculture, that's one solution. We need all of it. Yeah, we yeah. really need to, to find like the balance and, and do a lot of big decisions in the upcoming years to kind of mitigate uh, the risk of uh, the health of both planet and people, I would say. Yeah. What do you what do you think is the biggest hindrance right now? Why we don't seem like we can work together in finding different solutions that can somehow you know uh, exist simultaneously? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question, and and I think there's uh, an answer to that on different levels of decision making. So, so I mean, there's this one answer uh, at you, the consumer at home. So, I mean, taking the right decisions today uh, also is more costly. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we are pretty pressured in household economy at, at this moment. So it, it's not an easy decision. So when you actually stand there in the store, you, they call it the green gap. So when they do uh, like polls on 
what people want. They want ecological, they want locally sourced. But when they actually analyze the data on what, what is being bought, there's like a, a big, big gap between yeah. that because people still need to take decision uh, based on the money that they have in their pocket. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, that's one part of the answer is to build a food system that we are able to fund in our households. And you can do that by subsidizing. You can do that by other kind of tools of, of controlling this. But food prices hasn't been this low ever. So it's yeah. also kind of our feeling towards spending uh, both time to cook food, which is cheaper, and also spending money on buying food. So, so that's one answer, I think. And then you have kind of a more local uh, answer to that question, which is uh, derived from a lot of different topics and then you go up to a land base like what do we want in this country and how do we control the system and then you go on a global perspective so it's a very complex system it's not like let's just change everything to electrical vehicles and then we have done this so again context looks very different in different areas and different regions different regions yeah and, and we don't even know that much about it actually there's still a lot of information to be kind of collected data to be collected to understand where we should focus as well yeah that's very interesting you would think that that would be the area that we actually know most about because i mean eating food we've done longer than driving cars yeah yeah so it's a little bit ironic yeah and also controlled by by where you can make margins of course yeah so, of course yeah. yeah so you are you're a vertical farmer an entrepreneur a chief yeah, and I would also add to that list, uh, yeah, I, I would call myself a bit uh, a creative as well. So I, I do a lot of photography. Uh, I've done a lot of music in my life, both DJing and playing in bands and stuff like that. And I also did um, and still enjoy doing like graphic design and stuff like that. Oh, so yes, nice. trying to find my creative outlet is uh, always uh, important as well. Um, and how do you feel that the you know perform or or doing your creative acts actually adds to your life and business? Yeah, I, I would say this is much alike. So, um, for example, I'm I'm doing something now in in terms of vertical farming, where I'm responsible for research and development, and has been kind of driving a lot of the innovation in the company. But I have no kind of real education or. Uh, I have no degrees, I have no masters, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, uh, depending on who you ask, I'm uh, a bit challenging because I have no constraints on what is possible because I haven't been taught that. And I think that's very similar to to creativity. Like there's, there's no, no rules on what you can do. You just read things, see things, understand things, and then you kind of align that into, yeah, let's try this. Uh, and I kind of do the same in, in terms of business. So being a bit creative or um, yeah, disruptive as well there. I think it's really, really important to have that type of mindset when, you want, when you're trying to do things that never been done before. So Yeah, that's really interesting. So have you, did you go to university at all? No, no, no. no. Uh, I just finished uh, um, a, like Swedish high school gymnasium and then started my own company from there. So. That's, That's really, I think yeah. a lot of listen, listeners will find that interesting because, you know, the title that you have at the company and all the the amazing work that you put out there, um, that it's possible because I think we often have these restraints on ourselves, you know, oh, no, I couldn't or I wouldn't or I don't have the credentials or I can't speak there, I can't do that because you, you, you know, you paint yourself into these boxes and you need external people to tell you <laughs> when you can move to yeah. another box. Um, yeah, so that's I mean, really yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I mean, as you said, we are doing some uh, really incredible stuff, I would say. And in the beginning, it was just being naive or brave or dumb enough to just try things. Yeah. Uh, but now, again, I'm surrounded by uh, a really good team uh, with some really like vast experience and knowledge into doing this. But it's still kind of driven uh, by the idea that let's do uh, let's do the thing that nobody else have, has done instead and see what, what that leads to, yeah. Uh, so we are doing some things that in terms of literature or finding, like, if you would do a, a desktop research on what type of life strategy would you have, then we are kind of breaking a lot of the rules on that one. Uh, and we are breaking a lot of the rules on what is 
kind of normalized those standards or benchmarks in in our area as well. That's really cool. And we're so, doing pretty good, yeah. So uh, I don't think you've even mentioned the name of the company. You should maybe mention the name. Yes. So the company name is Ljuskorda. So that's a, a like um the name of a Swedish farm almost it could, could be resembled in, in in that name. Uh, but we also have a, a new brand which is uh, Supernormal Greens. So it's kind of more uh, future tilted on on what we're going into. But you Skoda is a company, yeah. You Skoda, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't just you; it was you started that with some partners, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, free, free friends, and uh, that's that's how it all started. So uh, again, a bit naive uh, and dumb. So okay, this seems interesting. Uh, I was following um, a company who did a crowdfunding with this type of technology. And then by the spring of 2017, uh, we had what I call the the big lettuce crisis in Sweden, which maybe one percent of everybody remembers, and the rest yeah. never ever even paid attention to it. They but, never had a crisis. No, no, no. But it was actually for like three, four weeks. Uh, there was no lettuce on the shelf. Uh, the prices raised like three, four hundred percent, and they were flying in romaine from US to Sweden because we still wanted to eat romaine. So it was kind of the first, at least for me, time when there was like a big supply chain disruption uh, due to climate changes uh, that ended up reaching us in the stores. Otherwise, when things like that happen, they can just buy from other other places. But now we are very sensitive because it's uh, like that for lettuce, for example, but it's the same for strawberries in the US. That is a very small region uh, responsible for almost all all of the consumption in Europe. So it was two free nights of frost uh, in, in early spring that, uh, that made us, the whole... yeah. That's interesting. So okay. how did the three of you decide, how did you know that this was our, you know, your mission together to create something around it? Did you, did you put a lot of thought in before you went into business together or? No, that's what I'm referring to as a bit naive and dumb. Yeah. So we were actually running uh, two free other business, uh, businesses at that time. So it was like, okay, this seems like something really interesting. I've been following this technology. Uh, there should be a really big demand of Swedish grown kind of sustainable vegetables. And this just happened with a disruption in the supply chain. Uh, so let's try to build this. So we, we just looked at pictures, uh, was watching YouTube videos, and then we built a replica of that in a garage. And then from that garage, we started raising money and suddenly we're here. It's so a it was, it's a yeah. proper it's I think it's the first garage story that I've heard that's uh, that's uh, a bit more of an agriculture business and not a tech business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on who you ask. We're 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 very tech savvy, but still, yeah. I mean, it's uh, we're growers, so of course. I think that's also what uh, I mean. Uh, one of the reasons why I really enjoy my my days and what I'm doing right now is it's a perfect combination of. Like technology, AI, uh, but still we're working with biology and living plants and all of that. And then kind of the cross-section of that is uh, really, really inspiring. And what has been your biggest surprise on this journey so far? Biggest surprise? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I was kind of... Um, struggling with a lot of imposter syndrome when this actually went off. So, I mean, we, we just went from trying things out in a garage and, and pretty quick we were sitting with in meetings with top researchers on what we were doing or large investors, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think the biggest struggle for me was uh, staying in pace with uh, the anticipations on the company, I think. And how so, yeah. how did you deal with the imposter syndrome? Did you Did you find any habits or routines or anything that would make it no, better I'm, or did you just get used to it yeah i'm, I'm i would say i'm more getting used to it yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, i'm it's it helps a lot now a couple of years into this that what we are doing has been proven to be like top performing in the world in yeah. data with external information etc etc so it cool. makes it much more easy to believe in in what you do but i would say i'm, I'm still struggling with it a little bit yeah. uh and i think that's also kind of humbling, uh, but at the same time, a little bit like keeping you on your toes. Yeah. I think most people do, though. The, the the more you speak to people that have done incredible things, very often you hear, oh, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just tried it out. And like every day I wake up and I'm not really sure. 
You know, I yeah. think that's the storyline often. So I don't know where this narrative has come from, really, that we expect to one day just arrive and, you know, feel completely comfortable and com- yeah. confident in everything that we do. Um, I think if you reach that point, it's maybe also, move, you know, time to move on. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's, uh, yeah, I've worked on it quite a lot, like in having conversations and therapy and stuff like that. And things have been much, much, much better now. But yeah, I would say that that, that is the biggest challenge, though. Yeah. I was just uh, young Eric when we started, uh, starting to read things on YouTube and in forums and in books, and then just doing them. And suddenly there was uh, a full room of 20 people that are experts in the world on this matter. And they were just trying to, you had to tell them what to do. So it's, I mean, that's um, a big challenge for the brain, but it worked out pretty fine. Yeah. Because the company is quite big now. How many people are you involved? Uh, so we, we're currently around like 90 uh wow. people working in the company uh we have our first factory has been up and running for almost two years now uh and that is seven thousand square meters so it's i mean we we're not the highest funded vertical farm in the world there are companies with uh, one or even two zeros behind their uh kind of cap table number yeah. uh but we are uh top performing in terms of, of yields like what we're getting out there every day uh and I, yeah that's um yeah, that's really impressive, I think. So that's actually, really I mean, in the, yeah, in our factory, we are kind of harvesting between one and a half, two tons per day, wow. uh, which I think most people don't realize in terms of vertical farms, because you think, okay, it's a, maybe a small container that are doing uh, some like local stores, but yeah. we are, yeah, we're reaching a lot of people uh, every week and every day. Uh, is the company funded big, yeah. mainly by Swedish investors or is it internationally? No, mainly Swedish family mainly offices. Swedish. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you sell the product mainly on only on the Swedish market now. Yeah, only on yeah. the Swedish market, yeah. Is the plan to, the plan to expand? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, there's... Dumb question uh, to an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's what's keeping you awake at night. Exactly. Yeah, uh, no, but um, uh, of course we have uh, a lot more market to take in Sweden and a lot of uh, things to do here as well. But there are many similar contexts to, to to Sweden that also needs the same type of innovation to to drive change. So yeah. I think, uh, yeah, in the upcoming years at least, uh, there will be hopefully a lot of expansion. If you if you ask me. Yeah, and how do you how do you nurture yourself in all of this? Because I think often when we have like such a big and strong mission and vision of what we want to do, it's easy to kind of run away with the mission and get into the hustle culture, and you kind of you know, forget yourself in the mix of it. How do you, do you nurture yourself? Yeah. And, and how do you do that? Yeah, I think that's um, it's a really good question. And it, I think it also depends on how, how you look at it. To begin with, I'm spending most of my time and most of my energy into something that I'm really, really passionate about. So, yeah. and all of the kind of struggles and stuff like that, this just kind of obstacles to, to crush through, to start doing things that you really enjoy again. So, uh, I think that really, really helps. I think uh, those times when I'm feeling overwhelmed or kind of overloaded is the times when I'm spending time in things that I don't, that I'm not that passionate about. Yeah. What and are so those? I, what are some of those things, if you want to share? I mean, just the boring parts of admin and working yeah. like, <laughs> like the standard things of of running a business or a company, uh, which is there no matter what type of company it is yeah. i always try to outsource that as, as much as possible while spending time on kind of innovation and uh, reaching targets and doing that is i mean that's fantastic very fulfilling work and very uh, enlightening to do as well so as as long as i'm passionate about what i'm doing and um, the struggle is not that big but sometimes you need to earn your right uh, to work with the things you love when yeah. you have a, a company that's because true. you have certain responsibilities so so yeah. that's how i i kind of look at it so okay for this the upcoming weeks now uh, i need to earn the right to get back into what i love to do so let's just get this done let's fix these things etc uh, etc et it makes makes it much easier and that is in terms of kind of mental nurturing or um yeah so so how i'm thinking about it but of course also all of my time when i'm not working which is uh, not that much uh, yeah. but uh, still uh, there is sometimes i i used to 
spend a lot of uh, time in nature. Uh, I found fishing. Fishing was perfect oh, for me. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I had struggles with these uh, kind of quick meditations. Trying to sit down for fifty minutes and reach enlightenment in that time is yeah. that's not really how it works for me. So I need to put a lot of time into clearing my mind. So yeah. So if fishing I'm out, is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm out alone on a lake, maybe the two, two, three first hours, there's still some noise in the head of things that needs to be done. But then the hour after that and an hour after that, that's very clear. So that's kind of where I reach that. I know you're teaching meditation, right? So I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a meditation teacher. I am. Uh, and yeah, we're all different. And I think any way you can find, you know, a way for your mind to settle um, is good. I don't think there's a you know like they say there's no way to become good at meditating yeah meditating just is and i mean you can do it in any sort of way um, but i think it, it is very important to get to that place where the noise kind of falls away um, mm. because it's easy to live a whole life uh, and then by the end of it you realize you never actually knew what you thought about anything and that's oh. kind of sad i think yeah. um yeah actually my father said to me when i was quite young i had some uh kind of challenges issues of course as you have when you grow up and trying to yeah. find your identity like I think you're successful if you're able to spend time with your own mind so yeah that's kind of been a leading uh, thing for me if, if I could be alone and still feeling happy about myself and what I'm doing then I'm in a really good place so I think that's um, a way for me if I could spend let's say six hours alone out in the woods fishing uh, then I know that I'm in a, a good place and I don't really need to be that uh, afraid of upcoming week or the workload coming in and stuff like that but as, as soon as you start getting a bit of like a small tension or vibration that is not comfortable then i need to look over the workload or need to work that through somehow change. yeah yeah and then i'm also that's i mean on a mental state i'm also really into all of this kind of optimization biohacking stuff so i do all of the blood work uh, all of the supplements nutrients uh, do you really do cold showers and lunches and those things as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that's i ate that whole area yeah <laughs> took all of it in and consumed it so yeah trying to find my kind of balance in doing those things in well. doing those things yeah that's really Me interesting measuring my personal data with an aura ring and then looking at what type of uh design of a day design of a workout and sleep that really resonates with my kind of personal profile and then, yeah. that's really fascinating I like that and we talked a bit about you know the things that uh, frustrates you or the areas that you want to see improvement if I turn the question around a little bit uh, what would you say lights you up what are the positive things that you see happening around you yeah so I, I mean I think I'm kind of a program to be an optimist which is really helpful. So yeah. otherwise you get stuck in, in bad loops or bad spirals. So what makes me uh, light up is uh, I'm a big kind of techno optimist guy. So I, I can see and I'm really kind of tapped into the flow of that information that there's a lot of really, really interesting like innovations and technology coming up. Yeah. Uh, so I put a lot of faith in that. Um, I do also feel that there is still a lot of kind of indigenous wisdom uh, to be taught to our civilization. So uh, I think it's really interesting in terms of kind of following this whole discussion about, uh, about consciousness and kind of conscious leaderships, which I think in incorporates a lot of like traditional or indigenous thoughts on how to build a society and how to develop and I think the mix of some really um, some really good technology and innovation combined with some really good ways of looking at life and society um, that makes me pretty happy and I, I think I can see some kind of uh, alignment uh, towards that type of modern society um, yeah. which which lights me up and I, I also I mean that's on a kind of um, zoomed out perspective if I'm just looking into how I like to spend my own uh, free time I also uh, do a lot of projects in, in Kenya for example 
So I need to to stay sane. I used to say, yeah. I need to go there at least maybe one or two times per year, and then yes, working hands on with people and community that is really, yeah, that's really really strong and really believes in in what we're doing. And I I have kind of a feeling that in a Western society or in Sweden, for example, we're kind of lacking this really strong communal uh, okay. feeling, like community feeling or tribe feeling. So it it really makes uh and light me up going somewhere else and experiencing and feeling that and being a part of it and yeah. it could be done in many ways but yeah. that really resonates with me as well i think um having lived i don't know a third of my life at least in sweden that's something what i struggle with often is that finding that community and that um society of feeling that someone will always lift you up which which could be a whole other conversation considering it is a social country you think that you would feel that all the time yeah on a certain level um but yeah we can maybe have another discussion on that but it's um um that's something that definitely lights me up as well and seeing and seeing the joy in in other places as well and you know gratitude and I feel like as much as I'm also grateful for all the good that we have it also comes with a comes with a little bit of entitlement which is not so charming always um i would yeah i would agree on that so that's you kind of need to go into that context and and get a little kind of refreshment of your system so this weekend uh, we had a not an event but kind of a gathering of uh, a lot of samoans uh living around sweden so they all all came to to my mom's house and we were cooking food we were out picking mushrooms uh, crayfishing fishing and just spending a lot of time together so that, that's that's kind of an injection of, <laughs> of that kind of community yeah. feeling and energy that that we would need to to do what we do and i also see it building our company in terms of organization is also kind of building your tribe yeah. with a lot of people uh with same type of values and same kind of aims and goals in life so that's beautiful and what would you say because listening to you it sounds like you've really found you know a path and a mission and like a trajectory that you want to be on but often in order to be on a trajectory you also have to say no to a lot of things what have you had to say no to to be able to do what you do today yeah that's uh yeah that's very true (laughs) it was uh, the biggest I, i went through that maybe one year ago one and a half year ago like uh, actually looking at okay what's in my life what's in my life currently that is not giving me energy and what's not in my life that I know will give me energy and that kind of filtrated quite a lot of things out I I would say so to be a bit concrete some part was uh, I usually ran several companies at the same time Mm-hmm. I'm very focused on on what I'm doing with one company and kind of sold all of the other uh, things that takes up time and energy. Yeah. Uh, I've added new friends. So actively looking for people uh, that I would like to spend more time with. That... Was that easy? I find it slightly oh, hard. That's the hardest one. Yeah, yeah to find friends. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like you have a span until you're like 18 yeah. to get friends. And then if you yeah. didn't find any, it's like, well, too bad. Yeah. Yeah, there were, there's a lot of these memes running around in my algorithm with trying to find fr- friends in your 30s, which I think is, is really <laughs> real. So you need to find some type of topic that you, you are you can really... gather around. Exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah so I, I do have um, some new friends, especially in the area of AI and, and all of the things happening there, which is, uh, I think, really nice as well. And then also saying no to a lot of kind of social rules like, yeah, uh, I'm inviting you to this, and then I have a feeling of I need to be there. Yeah, but I don't don't really want to be there. Uh, yeah. It gives me no energy. That's not what I would like to spend my weekend doing. And I think that's kind of um, for for a lot of people, and it was for me as well. Uh, it's more like an unwritten rule that you need to say yes to all of that. Yeah. Uh, but you you actually don't. So no. <laughs> I mean, you can have a good cause. You can have a conversation or a phone. Um, calling on a phone and just talking about it and then you don't need to spend your weekend doing stuff you don't want to do no and most people actually don't mind it's funny in our head we make up these that we have to have an amazing excuse yeah, why you exactly. can't but often yeah. if you say no no i'm sorry i can't 
that's obviously of, often fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not all about your yourself. That's uh, something exactly. that is uh, really, really good to understand. Yeah. Exactly. So we talked a little bit about your childhood and like roaming around in nature. Um, if you think back more towards your childhood, what's the one thing that you spent a lot of time doing then that you wish you had more time doing now? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I've already talked about some of those things, but I would I would say the same thing again. So I, I did a lot Nature. of traveling. Yeah, yeah, I'm missing traveling quite a lot. I haven't been both due to, to COVID, but also just lack of time. So there's something different about kind of being away for months and not being away for one, two weeks. So, I mean, you can get relaxed in two weeks, but you don't really get relaxed in two weeks. No. You need to like spend at least one month, two months uh, kind of traveling. I think that's something I really miss doing uh, and would like to increase if I look into kind of planning my near future so yeah tra traveling would be one of those things um and then yes also spending more time in nature so yeah i really enjoy uh, spending time alone in yeah. nature but it's also really hard both pushing yourself into it's okay to be alone and <laughs> doing that yeah. and also pushing yourself to actually put on the boots and get out there yeah so i mean the the thought about that makes me uh, pretty calm and excited at the same time but it's not that easy to actually do that so no. trying to find ways of tricking myself into spending time alone in nature in nature yeah, yeah. you can always set little mini goals and exactly. then you know take it from there that and, is... and then yeah i think also again uh, trying to be more creative uh more music i think is bring your guitar yeah. with you out in the in exactly nature. Yeah. yeah, but then you also feel a little bit like a crazy person <laughs> finding yourself alone in in the woods singing to yourself. So, yeah, you have you have to work with that as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. I find that I find that funny too. Like often when I I like to be alone in nature too, and often I go somewhere and then I feel this urge to like I don't know, do like a meditation or like do some mm. yoga, and then I always struggle with that I'm like a crazy person and someone's gonna yeah, walk yeah. up and you know think but I think you gotta do it because that's what you want to do and I mean who cares like I yeah. often think about you know childhood remember when you I'm sure you did as well you're skipping you know you're like skipping to school you're never walking you're always running yeah. uh, if you see something in the forest like you completely divert you like climb up a tree and you forget your bag and you know that kind of childlike zest for life yeah, I actually wow. did that uh, yesterday evening. I was going outside of uh, my work here, and then I was kind of skipping, jumping, trying to hit the uh, kind of roof thing above my head. Yeah. Oh, it was a good feeling, though. It <laughs> makes you happy, right? Yeah. Just skip to work; it will make you make you happier. Yeah, but I, I think I think that is really important, but it's really hard to do that actually yeah so yes. at least for me it kind of pushing you to i know i would like to do that more uh i know that that would be good for me i know that would make me refreshed and, and inspired etc etc but then actually finding the time and then when you have the time instead of ending up in the sofa watching netflix yeah you also need to to make an effort to do that but Maybe you never that's... regret that when you when, when you you've done it, done it no. you know? Maybe that's the next uh, friend to find is that accountability partner that will check that you're you're out yeah. and about. Yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a good friend request. I'm looking for somebody who don't want to join me, but no. just pushes me out. Just of make my sure sofa. I go, yeah. but don't want to come with me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a good one. So, if you were to give the listeners one simple thing that they could do today to create a positive impact, either for humanity or for the planet, what would yeah. that be? Yeah, I thought about this quite a lot uh, because it's so hard to put everything you want people to do down into one sentence. Yeah. Uh, but if I kind of combine what would be good for me, what would be good for the planet and what would be good for you as a listener uh, listening to this, it's just eating healthy. Yeah. So eating healthy means that it's uh, less pesticide, uh, it's mostly locally grown, it's eco, it's like everything that is driving the type of change that we need uh, within the food system comes from actually eating healthier 
yeah. like more taste more nutrition yeah there's so many benefits from that uh, on kind of all levels so just eating healthy and demanding to have the opportunity to eat healthy um i think that those are a really kind of easy one sentence goal uh, that would uh, in the big picture drive a lot of positive change that's a great tip Thank you very much. Um, and before we kind of wrap up here, I just want to also ask, you know, how can we support you in the best possible way, if any? Again, eat healthy. So, I eat mean, healthy. our products is, is uh, out there. We are doing uh, bagged lettuce right now. That's not the most important food to kind of change in, in terms of what we need in a diet, but it's the biggest impact we can do in the shortest amount of time. So, eating lettuce that is not Swedish in Sweden is a really stupid uh, thing to do. Yeah. Especially if you look at on the environmental impact per nutrient or per uh, calorie, for example. So I'm a strong believer in that uh, to build a, a society that people would like to live in, you cannot take away too much. So I, I believe that no. people should eat uh, the lettuce to the food. It makes it much uh, nicer it, it has nutrients etc etc but eating imported lettuce is a really bad idea both for, for planet and, and for you as a person so uh, really again eat yeah. healthy uh, and especially when you look into lettuce it's swedish, swedish. Uh, either from us or any of the other swedish uh, like open field cultivators on the mouse that is possible yeah if you're in sweden yeah so eat the local lettuce yeah yeah otherwise we're just transporting uh very few grams of product around the world and that's yeah. uh that's a bad idea it's a bad idea well again thank you so much eric for taking the time and for giving us inspiration and for letting us feel like we are all needed to make this place slightly better i truly believe that we are so thank you very much for uh, having me on this podcast thank you see you See you. Thank you for using your precious time to listen to the We Are All Needed podcast. And if you find the podcast valuable, please rate, review, and most importantly, share this episode so that we can spread more goodness out there in the world. If you want to work with me, find out more about the guests or the community, please jump on over to www.thecircularentrepreneurs.com. Until next time.